and welcome to the Youth Fusion Elders series, a podcast where we highlight the importance of intergenerational dialogue and offer the listener a chance to learn from the experience of those who have been long-time and effective leaders in the fields of peace and disarmament. My name is Arthur Duforest. I am a research assistant at PNND and program assistant with Youth Fusion, and I am delighted to host this episode of the Youth Fusion Elders podcast. Let me introduce today's guest, Dr. and Professor Andreas Nidecker. Dr. Nidecker is a Dutch radiologist and an inspiring peace activist. He is a board member of the Basel Peace Office and a board member of the International Physician for the Prevention of Nuclear War. He has linked throughout his professional career the profession of physician with peace, activism, and nuclear disarmament. Our conversation touches on the topic of nuclear non-proliferation, the importance of academia and youth on today's political scene, and the relationship between nuclear disarmament and climate change. We hope this conversation will spark your interest. For more information about who we are and what we do, you can stick around at the end of the episode. Without further ado, let's head into the discussion. Well, Dr. Nidiker, if you're if you're ready, uh, yeah, I'm ready. We can call me Andy, please. Andy, call me Andy, please. Cool. I guess I would start with the first question, which is a bit of an introductory question. So, after researching you and after interacting with you on a couple of occasions in the past, I've noticed that you have a rather unorthodox journey as a peace activist. So how does a professor and radiologist come to join uh, nuclear disarmament efforts? Well, uh, many people have asked me that, but uh, the main uh, reason I think is uh, I'm coming from a family where my father already was a radiologist and my grandfather was a Protestant pastor and the social uh, issues have been always in the, uh, in the forefront of our discussions. And as a radiologist, you know very well about uh, what radiation is and what it can do. So uh, while I think that X-rays uh, are important in the world uh, for diagnostic purposes, and while I think that uh, some of the nuclear medicine uh, therapies and diagnostic works uh, with short-lived radionuclides are important in modern medicine, I do think we have better means for energy purposes than nuclear power. Nuclear power is no long-term solution. It is way too risky, as we know from Chernobyl and from Fukushima. It is too, way too expensive. It is uh, way too slow to implement at this stage in order to make any contribution uh, to the mitigating of the climate effects. Furthermore, it is known, and I have friends who, have, who are very aware of this and who have studied the literature, it's even in normal operating conditions uh, when uh, nuclear um, power plants uh, are vented and uh, some radiation is going away, there is an increased risk for leukemia for small children, even in under normal uh, operation conditions. So uh, I'm totally against it uh, based on, on my, my knowledge of radiation and its effects. Absolutely, and there are definitely uh, downsides to, to nuclear power. And um, it, it is uh, sort of an, an energy from the past, or a lot of people seem to view it as a 
updated source of energy, at least in the form that it is currently. I know that there is a lot of efforts to uh, to renew and, and to... The you know, efforts are in publicity, on the publicity level. The industry is uh, fighting vehemently to, to retain its share, but it's uh, not just uh, there are some downsides. I think the whole energy nowadays must be abandoned. Uh, we have better alternatives, cheaper alternatives, and the uh, world is moving forward. We can see that in the United States, uh, where nuclear still may be at, discussed at the present time, but uh, solar and uh, wind is, is, uh, has more advantages and certainly is much cheaper. So uh, to me, uh, there's no, to me and others uh, who, who are knowledgeable about this, there is no way that nuclear can retain its position. It, hasn't, mm -hmm. it has lost it already among That's the energy right. production. It is extremely costly, and as you said, like it takes a long time to implement uh, in the first place. Would you argue that the same reasoning applies to, uh, to nuclear disarmament, in the sense that no, knowing so much about radiology and, and the impact of, uh, of radioactivity? Well, in a way, yes, but uh, if you are a believer in uh, nuclear deterrence and you don't think any further, uh, you want to retain nuclear weapons to deter. But deterrence doesn't work, and uh, nuclear uh, weapons have not avoided any major war. The concept of uh, nuclear deterrence, in the opinion of many, is not suitable. Uh, nuclear uh, weapons don't make any contribution as to uh, terrorism, cyber warfare, climate mitigation. In the contrary, uh, nuclear energy is encouraging some countries as Saudi Arabia and Turkey and um, maybe Brazil and Iran to acquire nuclear weapons and did nuclear uh, weapons make the world less safe and what is more desirable for humanity nowadays it's to live in a safer world and the cost of nuclear weapons should prohibit its uh, further development in those states who who harbor them and so for the future i think uh, nuclear weapons they make the world less safe and uh, not more safe and um, to me, they are anachronistic uh, as, as nuclear energy, yes. Mm -hmm. There was a, a, a fantastic reasoning from a, um, a webinar that I participated in with the French army general, uh, Bernard Norlin. He is uh, one of the founder of uh, IDN, the uh, Initiative for Nuclear Disarmament in, uh, in France. And so he made a remark that I thought was quite pertinent in the sense that he said that the French state holds on to nuclear deterrence as a prestigious weapon. And you can't hold like the destruction of cities and the destruction of countless lives as a prestigious thing. So in a sense, there is this sort of fake security that, uh, that nuclear weapons offer to, to governments. That Absolutely. And it's, it's exactly this prestige, which is owned by uh, the five official nuclear powers. It's that mm -hmm. prestige, which, uh, which is inciting, uh, motivating uh, leaders as the North Korean president to acquire and hold on to nuclear weapons. And it's the, that prestige, which is, after all, creating a, a desire or the ground is the ground for nuclear proliferation. And uh, every nation can say if the U.S. Uh, thinks uh, nuclear weapons are needed for the security of the people, then uh, why shouldn't we uh, acquire the same uh, mode? Yet today, it's not the uh, security of a nation at stake. It's the individual, the humanitarian security, the security of every human being. And if you look at it this way, nuclear weapons have no role to play. Absolutely. And it comes across as a shortcut, I would argue. In, in many aspects, government think or seem to think, when you look at North Korea, for example, they seem to think that nuclear 
weapon is the answer. And so they, yeah. they, they seek to acquire a nuclear weapon as a substitute to diplomacy, as a substitute to interaction with other countries, as a substitute to, to compromise. So I think it is the, the publicity or the, the way the perception of nuclear weapons is really uh, harmful on the international scene in the sense that, yeah, it provides this, this fake or this false shortcut to, to solutions. Yeah. So the second question I had was, what lessons from your professional career have you brought to the table when promoting disarmament? And I guess when I say to the table, I must uh, specify a bit. So you're a member of the Basel Peace Office, and you are also a founder of the International Physician for the Prevention of Nuclear War. So what has your professional career and experience brought to the table of disarmament promotion? Well, I was not the founder of IPPNW. I was a an early member of IPPNW oh, Switzerland, and uh, I'm president of the Basel Peace Office. And as such, I have a 40-year professional career, a membership of IPPNW. I participated in uh, numerous meetings. And the, the message what we physicians always give is that prevention is, is the only thing uh, to avoid a, a nuclear catastrophe. And uh, it's the only, uh, the dialogue is the only solution to solve conflicts. And uh, there are so many negatives, so many uh, downsides of nuclear weapons, as we have discussed uh, before a few of them. It's clear to me that I needed and wanted to be part of the uh, abolition movement for a long time already. And we've made some uh, progress, not just with the TPNW, but Switzerland, for example, uh, has not signed the TPNW, but our government has a long, uh, a long time history of promoting the alerting of nuclear weapons and the fissile cutoff uh, treaty. And so we contribute something too. I wish we would have signed and ratified this TPNW by now, but uh, that, I think that will come eventually because both chambers of the Swiss government, of the legislative government, uh, have supported this. And uh, I'm sure that eventually we will sign that treaty. I have a question regarding that, actually. How do you see public engagement in Switzerland with, uh, with those issues, like the, the issues of nuclear disarmament? Well, we have a good contact to the foreign ministry, and it's the foreign ministry and the, the central government which defines uh, foreign policy, obviously. And, uh, but as we have, uh, we are recognized as, a, as an NGO. And in Switzerland, we have the principle of direct democracy, which means that uh, the government is very attuned to uh, listen to uh, what happens in civil, civil society. So uh, whereas in other countries, you would have elections every four years. In Switzerland, we have elections every year and we have votings every three months. And uh, so when uh, at present we are preparing a, a, an action for June, because uh, June will be two months prior to the um, uh, non-proliferation treaty uh, review conference, and we need to talk to the Swiss government prior to the um, representatives of the foreign ministry going to New York to discuss mm -hmm. uh, the NPT. We want to make sure that they have heard once more the opinion of many people in the civil society, and that's why we plan to, to have a meeting with the foreign minister in June. That's concre very concrete, um, the, the present concrete uh, step we are planning to make. Absolutely. Another question that I had was, so you mentioning civil society, uh, and I was wondering, as an academic yourself, how do you value the role of academic publication in the field of peace and disarmament? 
Well, there's so much uh, publication activities uh, uh, worldwide and by medicine, by doctors and by research, then, uh, then even if our concern uh, nuclear weapons and nuclear war is high, you know, it, it is uh, not very evident. There are a few publications as uh, the, the magazine for medicine, conflict and global survival where we have published. And as I said before, uh, there are publications on the effects of low ionizing radiation nowadays. They came out in the past 10 years. We know, for example, that um, uh, CTs of uh, small children, head CTs uh, have uh, harbor an increased risk for brain tumors. So these are effects which are not very well known in, in, in society, obviously, but they are becoming known and I'm sure they will influence the decision-making and the perception of the danger of radiation in organizations as ICRP, the International Commission of Radiation Protection and the UN UNSCARE. And that is an ongoing process, but uh, that has to do with radiation effects and uh, the uh, risks of radiation and genetic effects of radiation. The, the issue of nuclear weapons is far away from the people's heads because we now have COVID and we now have businesses losing uh, their income and people losing their salaries. And that is much more in the foreground. So it's somewhat difficult to discuss nuclear weapons in a small country as Switzerland, which has no own, we don't have our, our own nuclear weapons, luckily. So uh, given that situation, it's uh, quite tough to, to be an NGO focused on nuclear weapons alone. And in Switzerland, as we had a political issue with the nuclear power, that's why we always focus both on nuclear weapons and nuclear power. But publication-wise, uh, publication is centered on uh, radiation effects after effects of Fukushima and uh, Chernobyl, 20 years, 25 years, 10 years now in Fukushima. And uh, we are looking very closely at this type of publications uh, and what they say. And uh, our concerns are uh, certainly confirmed in many, many times. Mm -hmm. no, it, is, it is, I think, one of the big the big task for any uh, organization in, in the field of nuclear disarmament to, to convince the, the, the public that this is an issue that is still contemporary, that is still relevant, and it is still a danger that we, you know, the, the fight to abolish nuclear weapons doesn't belong to the 70s, it belongs to today as well. And uh, a lot of people seem to have forgotten that, that this is still relevant and, and still of actuality. Well, that's uh, one or my, my main reason why I'm quite happy about the youth fusion uh, movement, this uh, young uh, new NGO. There are many youth organizations, but most of them focus on nowadays on climate action and, and peace action, general, general peace action, but a few focus, at least in many countries, few focus on nuclear weapons. And in Switzerland, uh, to have a, a youth uh, organization focus on, on, focusing on nuclear weapons or to recruit young doctors to join our IPPNW is quite difficult because people are distracted and there are more pressing issues and so in many countries that is very difficult uh, but youth fusion not only uh, brings together very motivated young men and women as yourself uh, but also I applaud the concept to work together with our generation I, I think I think it's great to have this elder concept and 
to have uh, elders who can rely on the energy of you guys and you guys you can rely on some of the experience of the elders it needs both and it's your generation it, it's the future of more of your generations we will be two meters under the earth uh, in a few years and uh, but you will still be living under the risks of and uh, paying uh, for the costs of nuclear weapons and costs of nuclear power if we don't uh, shut them down. So you should have an inherent interest to become and remain active. And uh, I'm therefore very happy to talk to you today. Definitely. And that goes both ways, um, for sure. And this is this is really relevant. And I think that was the, the, main, the main reasoning behind uh, creating the, the Youth Fusion Elder series is that, yeah, the fight is not over. And, you know, we don't need to start from the ground. We have hundreds of thousands of people behind us that have brought their, their experience to the fight and brought their input to try to, to abolish nuclear weapons. So we don't need to start from the ground. We, we, we can rely on this experience. So it was sort of a no-brainer for us to say we, we need to recollect and, um, and learn from, from the experience of the others. So I'm really happy that you, that you see that way. This is... Yep. This is great. On the topic of youth, I've been in activism for, for many years now, and especially regarding nuclear weapons, especially the, the cost of nuclear weapons, it's something that always baffles people. Uh, whether I'm talking to a young crowd or, or a more aged crowd, like people really have no clue how much money is being spent on upholding nuclear weapons and the fact that it's still threats. You know, um, one of the big publications that I always recommend is the... Uh, the built-in of the atomic scientist and their, their doomsday clock. It is a shock to people to realize that we are, according to them, so close to, to nuclear war uh, in 2021. So it, it is always part of our fight to, to try to spread that knowledge and, and spread that awareness to, to people, to try to get them to, um, to interact a bit more, but also to realize that, yeah, it is still an issue. But, but you know, the cost issue is really only, might become a concern for those three um, Western um, nations who have nuclear weapons, France, uh, Britain, and the US, like in Russia and China, you don't talk about this at all. So it's few, few populations which are directly affected by the high expenditures uh, for nuclear arms. Uh, so it's not uh, of interest to many people, the, the cost argument. It should be because you have to look at the whole world and you have to we need the leadership of the United States and uh, other nations uh, uh, and uh, we need to cooperate and ultimately uh, what is overspent and spent for arms in one country or in a few countries uh, isn't available for the resolving of, of global problems. But uh, the cost issue is uh, primarily uh, an issue in the States where way, way above everybody else is spent on nuclear weapons. And I guess this is also a fantastic segue to, to mention the uh, Move the Nuclear Weapons Money campaign, which I believe was also promoted by the Basel Peace Office. But the idea of, of the campaign was to say there is one trillion US dollar being spent on upholding nuclear weapons and, and modernizing it over the next 10 years. And, and that money is being wasted to uphold a backward mode of defense, right? And, and this money would be much more relevant if it was spent on hospitals, universities, education, social uh, issues, social concerns, social issues. Absolutely. Yeah. So and, and when we promote this as a youth fusion, when we promote this, we, we tend to, to say that nuclear weapons are not 
shouldn't be seen as a problem, but it should be seen as a solution, as in it's a bag of money that could be used to do something else. And so we don't need nuclear weapons. Let's use that money on something else. And, and we could help alleviating the crisis, help alleviate the small businesses, help restart the economy. There's so many things that could be done with that money. Well, it's a, it's a bit, uh, one has to be careful to promote nuclear weapons on the ground of uh, what, you, what could be saved and labeling them as a solution uh, unless you immediately explain why the solution could come from the nuclear weapons. And there is, in fact, this um, Senator Markey who is proposing this new act on how uh, care actions and uh, health actions go before expenditures uh, to nuclear weapons. I, I forgot the name. Uh. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's, super, it's super amazing to see those type of legislatures being proposed uh, in the U.S., it really resonates with people. And I think, I think people are, especially right now in, in, in the pandemic, awakening to, uh, to those realizations that there are other ways. And, and when the government says like, this is a direction, being more able to challenge it. So, you know, this is, this is definitely fantastic to see. We'll post a link to the act uh, in the article that we'll write. One other thing I have stressed the, uh... In my view, a big advantage to have an intergenerational dialogue. One thing what we did in Switzerland that what um, is is nothing new uh, is the interdisciplinary uh, cooperation. For years and years, we have staged uh, and organized meetings with doctors and we went with our stethoscopes and the white shirts and we we met and talked as doctors to, for example, uh, Russian liquidators and politicians. But we have maybe neglected to talk to lawyers. And what lawyers told us, they say, you guys, you doctors, you are so aware of the effects and it's so important the work you're doing. But we lawyers, we are able to write a law or to uh, propose a change in the constitution of a country. And it is important that we work together in an interdisciplinary fashion so the last meeting what we had in September 2017 was a joint meeting with lawyers and doctors and the impact was much better. And so I would like to stress that uh, the interdisciplinary and the intergenerational work is very important, not just the intergenerational work. Absolutely. And I think it is blindsiding to, to, to think otherwise. Um, yeah. those global issues and, and we need to involve as many people as possible and, and include as many people as possible because a single output isn't enough just simply isn't enough well uh, we we mentioned briefly uh, nuclear energy and uh, so you are uh, the president of the sun 21 energy and resource organization so what is your, your perspective on renewable energies and the fight against climate change i have to correct you i was once a president of the small ngo uh, mm -hmm. in Basel, which is a sort of a think tank, which for many years was supported by the government. And uh, it was in the early years, uh, 20 years ago, when our promotion of solar energy and photovoltaics was uh, regarded as a good way to promote, but too weak, not contributing enough. When, when today, everybody wants solar energy on, on their roofs in Switzerland and the attitude towards the renewables really has changed in those 20 years. I'm just a member of Sun21 now. I'm not even in the board any longer. But personally, I, I contribute with a small project. I've become president of a 
a new organization. It's called, it's an urban gardening organization. And we have built an urban garden beside a big uh, school and 15 classes uh, of youngsters. They learn how to plant vegetables and also neighbor, neighboring people, grown-ups, uh, foreigners or Swiss. They work together with this youth. And so it's a social and ecological project. And I was motivated to do this because many people said, if you just want uh, photovoltaic cells on, your, on the roofs of your houses, that requires investments and only few people can afford to invest. You need to motivate the society in a small country like Switzerland to also contribute one way or the other. They need to be interested in shutting uh, all lights, saving energy. They need to be motivated to isolate their houses. They need to learn that you can grow your own vegetable and contribute something by eating more vegetables. And that, that concept is called sufficiency, a sufficient behavior. And I was motivated to promote sufficiency in society. And that's why I created, after leaving the board, I created this small NGO Lecker Acker, uh, meaning uh, good good food from the from the ground, and uh, it's working now and for four years already. And I I'm busy getting the money to continue it uh, for the next years. And so that's one thing I've been doing. And uh, obviously renewables uh, are the solution. Nobody thought of a of a boom of electric cars as we are observing it nowadays. When we were talking uh, with people 20 years ago, I myself have an electric car for over 20 years. It's the third one I have. And today, uh, everything around me is confirming what we always said, that renewable energies and electricity, uh, solar energy uh, is the thing to go after. And carbon industries and nuclear will phase out. And it's a need for purity of the climate and uh, for the finances of the societies. Absolutely. And I, I imagine those efforts have a rippling effect, right? Like, so you're not just teaching kids how to plant vegetables. It, it also has, I imagine, a lasting impact on their mentality and, and on their approach to the world and, and realizing that, you know, you don't get strawberries in January without, Absolutely. without having Absolutely. them shipped from, uh, from a, another country and without engendering many CO2 emissions. and uh, uh, so changing the mentalities of, uh, of young kids. So yep. it is uh, a rippling effect for sure. One, one question I wanted to ask you. So I've heard that you started to work on a nuclear weapon related game. Uh, could you tell us a bit about that? Um, yes, uh, gladly. Um, after our meeting in uh, 2017, uh, my, my colleagues decided, as we always decide after a meeting, let's publish the proceedings of the meeting and but to to publish a book on the on nuclear issues incorporating uranium mining nuclear energy uh, nuclear waste nuclear weapons uh, de-alerting all these issues involved with nuclear energy and and nuclear weapons is very difficult because publishers say that you will uh, end up with a, th a very thick book and we cannot sell it later on and I was, I was fearing this from the beginning and I decided to choose a different way. I decided that what is urgent is to motivate young people who know nothing about all these issues. And to interest young people, uh, you need nowadays to use the internet. 
and I, I approached a company in Zurich and they taught me uh, that in order to do this, you need to tell simple stories in a way, in a fashion which are favorized by young people. They should be sort of manga stories, short stories which explain the issues. So with that storytelling concept in mind, uh, we decided to create a story, a nuclear story from five continents. From Asia, we tell uh, the story of, of the, the leader of uh, North Korea and how he is able to get recognition for being a nuclear country, even though his population is often uh, hungry and how he is sitting at the table with people like Trump, just because uh, basically we tell the story of, of nuclear proliferation and we talk about this, the downsides of nuclear weapons in, in this story. From Chernobyl, we, uh, Europe, we take the story from the Chernobyl accident and describe how humans were used as human roboters to extinguish the fire in the in the burning uh, reactor and how many how about 800,000 uh, young men got sick and got cancer and how their children uh, some of their children had genetic effects when the fathers harbored, uh, had children afterwards which is mm -hmm. published from africa we take uh, the story of bedouins who work in a uranium mine under terrible conditions who inhale the rad radon gases underground and who get sick and nowadays companies like Areva or Orano, the French uh, Areva, formerly Areva is now called Orano uh, company, how they abandon these countries nowadays. From the Americas we take the story of the Cuba crisis where a third nuclear war has um, been probably being prevented by the courageous action of a Soviet uh, co uh, commander of a submarine. And from the Pacific, we tell the story of the Bikini Islands and mm -hmm. address the issue of nuclear testing, how the US at the time uh, promised the people from Bikini that uh, they would make a major contribution to the world. So these five stories are told in a manga fashion, but they are backed up by film material which can be over the internet which eventually can be checked and and read for those who are more interested and also we give background further background issues on nuclear issues for example what is a radionuclide what is radiation how does radiation work and so it has been uh, in the works for three years and we call it nuclear games because we plan to launch it at during the olympic games during the Olympics, there is a competition among, a peaceful competition among all the countries for, uh, for sportive uh, exploits and, and, and wins. And yet in the background, there is uh, equal competition among uh, countries in the world for dominance. And uh, we, so the, the nuclear games sort of is an ironic, uh, ironic way to alert the world attention during the Olympic games to that other competition, which is so such a detrimental uh, bad issue for world peace. And that's a short summary of nuclear games. Absolutely, and we, it is fantastic. And, and we have been supporting this type of initiative in the past, the uh, Nuclear Threat Initiative, 
has a um, phone game called Hair Trigger, which also puts the player into in sort of the, uh, the the shoes of of a political decision maker, uh, okay. and, and how to and how to deal with political tensions and and, um, and the the goal of the game is to reduce the number of nuclear warheads that are on a high alert. Yes. Uh, and so there, there is a very complex dynamic that is being set up between um, de-escalation and diplomatic discussions. So it is a very, uh, it is a very thought through and, and uh, thought provoking game. So I guess now I'd like to move on to the topic of, uh, of youth engagement. We have touched on a little bit on it, but the, um, the PACI awards that the, the Basel Peace Office has been promoting, I myself thought it was a, a fantastic initiative and um, uh, very inspiring. So I thought I, I would bring it up so for us to, to talk about it. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very happy that PACI, PACI Awards, we aim to give awards to groups which have a broad spectrum in mind, not just the nuclear issues, but also general peace activities and climate ac activities. I think uh, nowadays, uh, issues need to be addressed in a in a holistic way and you cannot just talk about the climate and forget about the waste of money in the states for nuclear weapons so this somehow needs to be tied together and uh, that's why we are uh, with the yearly pace awards we are eager to find groups who work on these issues and the two winners this year were we gave two awards one uh, a european award and one a global award and I think the uh, European group won the award for pursuing uh, legal the right to the right uh, the right to justice. I think, and the global award is pursuing another overriding goal, and they are very well distributed in the uh, Caribbean and uh, Pacific uh, regions. And so uh, the discussions in the jury prior to deciding who will win the award. And the uh, broad spectrum of the activities uh, is very important. And I think, I think it behooves uh, to use groups like Youth Fusion to seek collaboration with climate people. And it behaves, behaves the climate action of Friday, Fridays for Climate, or how they are called. It, they need to learn about uh, the, um, the waste of money in, uh, in nuclear states. So it needs to go together. One needs to work in, in an interdisciplinary fashion, as we have uh, just mentioned a few, few minutes ago. Absolutely, yeah, the, the uh, linking those issues. Is, linking those issues, yes. It's super important. And, and I, yeah. don't see, I don't see it moving forward without, but we, without that, as you mentioned, that uh, interdisciplinary uh, approach. And, and that's, something for, that's something for everyone to learn from. I guess the comment I wanted to make as well was uh, re regarding universities, a, a project that I've had in the back of my head back in the days when I was in, you know, studying for my bachelor's. Those issues are really not talked about. I, I've studied international relations. And yes. It is appalling how, how little issues like the sustainable development goals or, uh, you know, the, the, the fight for climate or, or the, uh, the fight for nuclear uh, disarmament are talked about and uh, and when we've interacted with um, university students how, how little they knew about it even though it was supposed to be in their field and that's something we've talked about in one of our previous podcasts that yeah we, we found that integrating the integrating activists uh, or activism in, in our lives we, we were 
sort of faced with that on a daily basis. But uh, when we went to parties or, uh, or, or conferences or seminars and talking to our fellow uh, students, it, it was shocking how little they knew about it. So that's why uh, what uh, we try to, to, to contribute to or change, hopefully with nuclear games. Also, we work together with an IPPNW member in, at the University of Geneva. He is a, a professor in global health. And uh, for two years now already, we have given, we have spent two days and talked about nuclear energy and uh, nuclear weapons. Uh, to these global health students and many of them come from poor countries um, in Africa and Asia and they're very very interested to learn about these issues because you know to to talk as a radiologist about about the waste of money uh, in some countries for nuclear weapons when they don't even have in their own countries a, a properly functioning healthcare system in the countryside etc uh, mm -hmm. It really impresses people. So I, I think good partners for for addressing issues on uh, peace and nuclear proliferation are uh, courses and uh, 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 institutions who teach global health. I don't know if, if that has ever come up in, in your discussions, but uh, global health should entail issues like uh, weapons proliferation, weapons expenditures, and the uh, cost of energy, in particular, the cost of nuclear energy, unless you address these issues, you know, some people in from a poor country may consider nuclear energy a modern source of energy when when it is not modern, it's outmoded and it's a very expensive form of energy production. So uh, so global health knowledge on global health needs to have an understanding uh, for issues like energy production and uh, weapons proliferation. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you uh, maybe a bit more of a personal question. Um, what advice would you give to your 20 years old self? Uh, and what lessons would you like to pass on to the younger generation and, and peace activists? I think you need to go into politics, but politics can be done in two ways. Politics can be, uh, be in a political party and uh, making the ranks in politics and if you are honest and if you are interested and if you speak well and if you are well trained you can achieve a lot in uh, official politics it's obviously easier in a country where the polit political life is quite direct as in switzerland where you can step on the toes of politicians and politicians will react as compared to politics uh, where you can be try to become a, a representative in the United States and then you're entangled in, in a big party politics and it takes four years to, to make it until the race uh, to, to get a seat. It's not so direct in countries like that. So a political, a political work is extremely important. Politicians ultimately make the decisions and that's why we work together with lawyers, because as I said, lawyers make laws and only when laws are the basis for some decisions by politicians, then these decisions are being made. But the other way to do politics is to go into an NGO and uh, as Youth Fusion or IPPNW or Basel Peace Office, you can uh, make politics too, but and you make it much more focused on a given issue or on a few given issues. In IPPNW, we were instrumental to get the public vote of Switzerland to abandon 
nuclear energy. We were, we were one of 20 organizations. And as doctors, we always had to speak up uh, in, in meetings with these 20 organizations so we could influence other NGOs and strengthen the movement to abandon nuclear energy. And that is a must. Uh, so to me, going into politics can mean two things go into an NGO, become active in an NGO, lead an NGO, or go into politics, uh, hopefully as a representative of a, a not Green Party, but of a, of a modern thinking party and, uh, and uh, of a party which tries to, to do something for the future of the young people, for human rights, uh, then you can really contribute in a, in a positive way. So that would, that's what I would do nowadays. And I've chosen the way uh, to be in NGOs, in IPPNW and in Sun21 and now in urban gardening and uh, others. A uh, good friend of mine who was a classmate, he became one of the ministers and he was a lawyer and became the energy minister. And I was a doctor, became interested in energy issues after uh, realizing the downside of nuclear energy. And eventually we met again after 20 years. He was an energy minister. I was a, uh, as a lawyer and I was as a doctor, I was dealing with energy issues and we organized meetings together. So that was a very funny get together again. He as a lawyer and me as the doctor and but we were both dealing with the same energy issues. I can only I can only echo your words and 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 um, it, it is true. I think a lot of youth nowadays are disenfranchised when it comes to politics and and uh, a lot of youth seem to have lost faith in the political system. And it is it is sad to witness and it's sad to see. But it's also important to make those people realize that unless they use their voice, no one will hear them. So, so it is uh, it is important to to awaken that in, in the youth and just in, in the population in general. Politics doesn't always need to be partisan. Politics is is much a much broader field than um, or actually in the U.S. sort of a left or right uh, question. Uh, it's about life and it's about livelihood of people. It's about much broader topics than what is being addressed on the news and so on. So I can only I can only echo your words. And I guess my, my final question was, uh, how do you see youth engagement evolving in the field of activism? And from your experience, are there any young physicians that are following your footsteps? Young physicians in Switzerland are busy fin final, uh, terminating their studies and it's difficult to recruit them. But uh, I'm more impressed by um, youth movements in general by the climate action young people and by organizations as youth fusions i i do see more engagement by youth nowadays than 10 years ago i must say and i'm optimistic about that don't ask me about the young physicians it's difficult to you know if you have a, a tough learning system and exams uh, every year and the final exams and then you you are 26 and you need to continue as a doctor for another five years to become a, a specialist or, or get the experience as a general practitioner and you want to you want to to uh, have a family or you want to, to hopefully find a home or earn a little bit of money finally after all these expenditures for the studies it's very difficult in switzerland being a non-nuclear country where the decision to abandon nuclear energy has now been made 
it's very difficult to motivate young physicians or medical students to join our movement, uh, even though it is necessary. We are more successful, as I said, to talk to young people uh, in 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 a global health with a global who have a global health perspective, and uh, I'm very enthusiastic about this initiative to create youth fusion, which uh, where I was not at all involved, but uh, some young people I know are eager to do something uh, together with us or alone, but occasionally with our advice. That's very, very promising. And I'm also enthusiastic about seeing what happens in the streets and on, on Fridays and, and on some demonstration, which now really step on the toes of the Swiss politicians. And, and I can see effects in the political uh, decision-making nowadays with the Swiss government. Absolutely. And if I, if I may speak from my experience, I think it is, I think it is a fight worth taking and a, and a burden worth carrying. And um, it is a, it can come across as being daunting a task to to take on, right? When you, when you, first, when yes. you first start, but um, but I really think it gives uh, it gives a lot of meaning, and um, and it is a a fight worth worth uh, taking up. Uh, Andres, again, thank you so much for joining us. I really thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, and I really think that our listeners will too. Okay, thank you very much, Arthur. I wish you all the luck. I, I gladly uh, participate with your movement, Youth Fusion, and uh, we have work to do and we are going to try to shake things up a little bit and with our nuclear games uh, plan, I also hope to, to achieve something in, in recruiting young people. Absolutely. for listening and thanks again to Dr. and Professor Andreas Nedeker. It was an honor to welcome him as a Youth Fusion Elder and we hope this conversation inspired you. For a closer look at some of the projects mentioned in this episode, you can find this interview in an article format on the Youth Fusion website. This was the fourth episode in the Youth Fusion Elders series. You can find more inspiring interviews on Spotify or on the links in the Youth Fusion website. Youth Fusion is a worldwide networking platform for young individuals and organizations in the field of nuclear disarmament, risk reduction, and non-proliferation. We focus on youth action and intergenerational dialogue, building on the links between disarmament, peace, climate action, sustainable development, and building back better from the pandemic. Our goals are clear, to inform, educate, connect, and engage our fellow students, activists, and enthusiasts. Through these activities, and as part of the Abolition 2000 network, we are contributing to the total abolition of nuclear weapons. You can find more about Youth Fusion on our website, www.youth-fusion.org, or at Youth Fusion on most social platforms. We hope this was a good time. Goodbye.